Good morning, everyone. This is a kind of beginning of the year message again before uh, Pastor Jeff leads us in some vision uh, messages um, over the next few weeks. And I, I chose a passage in the gospel, um, in the gospel of Luke, for a reason. Uh, partially, and he will explain more to you as well, partially because we are going to be going into a gospel after. Uh, January. We are going to enter the Gospel of Matthew. And we have not been in a Gospel for quite a while. Uh, we have done many of Paul's letters and other uh, things. Um, we've done the book of Acts. We've done Hebrews. Um, but it will be wonderful to look at the life of Jesus together as a congregation. We'll be entering Matthew very soon um, after some uh, ma- vision messages coming up. So be in prayer for those. But Uh, Luke chapter 5 is the calling of the first disciples. And so let me, as I like to do, ask you a question and then we'll pray. All right. First, can you recall a time in your life when trusting God, even perhaps when something seemed nearly impossible, resulted in something surprisingly amazing? Let me ask it again. Can you recall a time in your life when trusting God, even perhaps when something seemed nearly impossible, resulted in something surprisingly amazing. Um, If you're like me, we have sometimes several such moments in our lives which I like to affectionately call in my own experience in life, kingdom moments. You know why I call it a kingdom moment? (laughs) Because... All of a sudden, you're like standing in front of Mount Everest as if you realize who God is and the greatness of God and you realize who you are in our sinfulness and our weakness and you realize how much He loves you and that you are part of His plan. It's a moment that changes everything. It's a kingdom moment that happens in your life that wakes you up. It almost surprises you and startles you and you realize something incredible has been revealed to me. That the God of the universe is uh, wonderful and great and He loves me and I'm part of His plan. Well, let me pray for a moment and we'll dive in. Lord, we thank You for this morning. Thank You for the baptism of baby Tripp. Thank You for his life and the miracle that he is. Um, Maybe that was a kingdom moment in their family's life. And Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you that you are ever working, that you are ever victorious, that you are the God of the universe. You are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and you are alive and well on your throne right now. And we thank you that one day you're coming back for us. Lord, my prayer for my own heart and everyone in this room is that you would give us eyes to see your son Jesus better. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Maybe... um, some of you are going through something challenging right now. I don't know what it is. Maybe it is something that you find nearly impossible, but I want you to know God is great. The Lord loves you. You're exactly where you're meant to be, and He has a plan and a purpose. And I want, to hear, I want you to hear something this uh, beginning of the year. Everything that He does prospers. He is victorious. God is on a mission. God is working. And you 
When you submit to Him, and when you recognize Him as the Lord of your life, you are called to be part of that mission. And guess what? When we associate and connect to Him, we are victorious as well. Remember a few weeks ago, we heard from Psalm 90, and the psalmist, who is Moses in that chapter, praised, Lord, bless my life. Make the work that I do successful and prosperous. I have news for you. No matter what you are going through right now, the discouragements, the doubts, the fears, everything is in alignment for you according to God's purposes and plans. Even seeming detours of life to bring you to victory with our great God. He is going to accomplish His purposes in and through you. Um, you know, a kingdom moment for me. Uh, many of you have heard a little bit of my testimony, my story a little bit, but I'm, just, I'm not going to go into it too much. But when I was a young man in my 20s, I got um, bit by a deer tick and got this disease called Lyme disease. Well, you've heard a little bit of that story before, but part of what that meant for me was I was very, very afraid of the future. Very afraid meaning this, like I wasn't afraid that I was in God's plan and that this happened for a purpose, but I began to think, I don't want to be a burden on anyone. I don't want to be a burden on a spouse, um, my, let alone my parents and other people. And so I really thought, you know, I'm probably going to remain single. Um, maybe the Lord's calling me to that. And um, amazingly, God brought Jaya into my life, and we, we actually had known each other for many years. But I even began, I remember thinking, Lord, I, I thought I wouldn't get married. I thought I would never have a family because I thought my illness would be so debilitating. But I remember when we were pregnant with our very first child, and I came to fill pulpit here at Trinity Presbyterian Church. And Dan Gardner was the elder who did the pastoral prayer. Dan, I remember that. And he prayed for us. I wasn't part of the church here. I was part of another church. And I still remember that prayer and that day and praying for protection because it was a really difficult pregnancy. All kinds of things were going on. And when EJ was born, I remember holding this three-pound baby in my hands who was basically like a tennis ball. And I remember looking up at God and thinking, you are great. You are amazing. Not only have you made me a husband, but you made me a father. And I don't deserve it. But I just want to tell you I'm so thankful. That young man's 22 years old now, just left for college, and he's a walking reminder that God's plans are great. And when you are part of mission with Him, there's victory. Luke chapter 5 says this, one day, Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret, which is the lake of Galilee, by the way. It's also called the Sea of Tiberias, all the same thing in the Gospels. People crowding around him, listening to the word of God, he was pressed in. And so he actually decided to go to the water's edge and get into a boat. There were two boats that were right there by the shore. 
left there by the fishermen, it says, they were washing their, and they were washing their nets. So he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon Peter, and he asked to put out, him to put the boat out a little from the shore so he can have a little space. Even Jesus got crowded in by people. It's not good to know. In his humanity, he, he needed a little space from the crowd because they were so much pressing in on him. So he gets into this boat belonging to Simon and um, he sat down in the, on the boat and starts teaching them. And when he had finished speaking, it says, he says to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. So there's a few things here that I want to give you as we meditate on this and think about this. In this passage, um, something incredible is about to happen. There's a kingdom moment in Simon Peter's life that's about to happen. And you already know it because you read the passage. But I'm going to go through it just for a moment. But I want to tell you two things this passage is about. It's about authority and mission. Authority and mission. Who's in authority here? Who's in control here? And what's this mission? And what are we called to to be part of this mission? So Luke's gospel, you probably know this, was written later, maybe around 80 or 90 And so Luke's actually writing this for a group of people and the circumstances of that congregation may have been things like, you know, the current believers being repressed by Rome but also traditional Judaism and problems in the church. Ever wonder that there could have been problems in the church then? Just like now. And so Luke's actually writing in that context and saying to his people through this gospel, I want you to remember authority and mission. So here are my points. One, Jesus' commands. Two, Simon Peter's reactions. Thirdly, Jesus' response with a promise. And then finally, the result, which is total surrender and discipleship. So let me jump in here. Jesus' commands. The first thing um, you know, that we see here, right? The first thing that we see is that um, Jesus tells Peter, can you put out a little bit? Put a, can, I, can I use your boat? Can I um, let it away from the shore a little bit? And Simon, you know, has heard Jesus before. He probably has heard him teach. You know, just in chapter 4, the chapter before, it says that Jesus went to Capernaum where Peter lived and it healed his mother-in-law who had a high fever. So Peter does know a little bit about the power going on. He may not completely know who Jesus really is, but he knows that this is a man from God. He's heard him teach. He's seen this thing that he's done for his his mother-in-law. And so um, Jesus then goes further and says to him, Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. So Peter's reactions. You know, I wonder if Simon Peter, who was a fisherman, he was probably a professional fisherman, not very highly educated. He had partners. He owned the boats. So maybe middle class, 
He owned a couple boats and he had partners, so there's a business going on. But can you imagine, um, first he's humoring Jesus a little bit, and then Jesus says, can you go out into the deep waters and put down your nets? Now this is a man, according to this passage, has been fishing all night. And they got nothing. It was a bad night. It was a bad night at work. They got nothing at all. And now, all they're doing is cleaning their nets, getting ready for the next day, mending it, uh, preparing for another night of fishing, because fish bite better at night in the Sea of Galilee. I don't know if that's the way it is around here. But during the daylight, you know where the fish go? When the sun comes up, they go to the deep waters where the drag nets can't reach. So I'm wondering if Peter was probably thinking, Jesus, leave the fishing to us. You stick to teaching and going to the temples and going to the synagogue and teaching Bible lessons, but leave the fishing to us. Okay, we know fishing. You don't. I mean, he was a carpenter, right? So Peter may have been wondering all kinds of things, but notice... Peter's reactions. In both cases, he submits. There's obedience. Who knows exactly the motive here, but he does so. Then, um, what we begin to see is a, a miraculous thing happening, this kingdom moment. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so, so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. So the fish aren't supposed to bite, and they catch so much fish that the nets are breaking during the daytime on the Sea of Galilee where he had been hundreds and hundreds and maybe thousands of times. He signals the partners, James and John, sons of Zebedee, who are also partners. They come, they fill both boats, the boats are beginning to sink. All of a sudden, Peter has this kingdom moment. He looks at Jesus, I'm imagining this, he looks at Jesus and for the first time recognizes who he is in light of who Jesus is. That's what I meant about have you had a moment like that in your life? You know what I thought? I thought certain things would play out the way I thought in my life and God completely surprises you. He astonishes you. He does what you don't expect. He shows up in your life. You encounter him and it changes everything. You know, when I first held that little baby in my hand, I was just totally in shock. I was just amazed. I was realizing that this is a miracle that had happened in our lives. And he had all ten fingers and ten toes, which the doctor told us he wouldn't. And he was really tiny, but he was able to breathe on his own and leave home after three weeks in the NICU. And that first couple years were kind of hard, but you know what? As I told you, every birthday, I would reflect on that and think, Lord, you are great. 
You are the mighty God. And what a fool I was for planning my own life and thinking what would happen. You see, Peter is so shocked here. He begins, like I said, it's like, you know, the first time you go in front of a huge mountain, Rocky Mountains, Mount Everest, the Himalayas, wherever it is, you begin to see how small you are and how big that is. That's what it's like. You're standing in front of the Almighty God. And can you imagine this? He is in the boat that's about to sink. And he falls down at Jesus' knees. And what does he say? Lord, I am a sinful man. Go away from me. He's fully aware of his sinfulness and God's holiness. Friends, um, if you have not grasped the greatness and holiness of God, do it this year. I would recommend a book I just recommended to our session this past week, Holiness by R.C. Sproul. Wonderful book. Probably his best, maybe, maybe. Um, It will put you, that little person in front of the huge mountain. (laughs) You recognize who God is, and then you recognize who you are. And you know this is true. Listen, you can't guarantee tomorrow. You don't know if you're going to live tomorrow. You don't know about the next year. You don't know about the next 10 years. That's why the scripture says, Abraham says, I think, I am dust and ashes. That's what I am, dust and ashes. Why would you have a relationship with me? Peter was caught by surprise. And um, look, look at this. Jesus doesn't stop there. After everyone's astonished, Jesus says to Simon, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I have a word for you. I know I'm a Presbyterian, but I have a word for you. From the Scriptures. Because this came last week as well in the story of Joseph. The brothers were terrified at his presence. And do you know what Joseph says to them? Don't be afraid. Come close. And you know what we're hearing again today? Don't be afraid. Like I said, I don't know what's going on in your life right now, but I firmly believe God has these words for you today. Do not fear. Don't be afraid. Recognize who I am in light of who you are. Do not be afraid. I'm in control. Do you remember in Joseph's life, you know, Joseph went up, down, up, down, up, down, all to get where God wanted him to be. From his father's house to the slave caravan to Potiphar's house to second in command of all of Egypt. And you know what Joseph says to his brothers? God has made me Father to Pharaoh and Lord of all Egypt. So it was not you who sent me here, but it was God. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Do you know what that story is all about? God's in full control. Every detail of your life is under full authority of the king of the universe. He knows exactly what he's doing and he even knows the timing. If if it needs to take 10 years, that's how much it's going to take. 
God knows perfectly exactly what you need and where you need to be. And then look at the next words. And from now on, you will catch men. You know, um, the word catch here is a rarely used form of catch in the New Testament. It actually means catch alive. From the Greek word zogran. And so fish are caught alive, but then what happens to them? They die. You know what this means? It means I am going to change you so that you, from now on, will catch men to be made alive. To catch people towards life and not death. So men and women may live and not die, spiritually speaking. And Luke is actually saying this on purpose where he says from now on or from then on. You will see that phrase in the Gospel of Luke almost as if to say, you know, when you encounter Jesus, nothing's ever going to be the same again. Nothing is ever going to be the same again once you recognize who Jesus is and who you are and God's mission and God's plan for you. You know, when I was a youth director, I was a youth director at one time, not a youth director, I was a youth worker, sorry. Back in Delaware, I used to tell the kids, meeting and encountering Jesus is real. It's not casual, it's like getting hit by a Mack truck. You know what happens after you get hit by a truck? If you live, you don't look the same. You don't. When you encounter something as great as a Mack truck and you make it to tell the story, you're not going to look the same. An encounter with Jesus is none none different. Your life, you know what Luke's saying? From now on, you're going to be different. From then on, I, Jesus, am going to make you, Peter, Catchers of life, fishers of men. Verse 11 says, So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. So they just caught the biggest catch of their whole fishing career. They didn't sink, they got to the shore, and it says they leave everything (laughs) and they follow him. That's what happens when you join in on mission with God. When total surrender happens in your life, you begin to say, all right, Lord, no more what I want, you're what you want. You're the master, I'm the servant. You give the cue and I do it. And you know what happens. Later on in Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches a sermon And it says thousands were added to the church that day. This came true. He spends his last day merely as a Galilean fisherman. And the Lord, I'm sure he fished later. But he was never the same again. The Lord changes his life. And he becomes catcher's of men and women towards life. 
In my last few minutes, I'm going to ask you a couple of challenging questions. What are you doing with your life? First, like last week, I said you need to understand the gospel. You need to understand that when you least deserve it, God gives you everything. He forgives you. He loves you. He accepts you. He takes care of you. And you are free. But now He calls you to serve. And what are you doing? Every person in the church is given a gift or a talent and called to serve. You know, there is this old thing in the church called the 2080 rule or the 80-20 rule. Some of you have heard it. 20% of the church does 80% of the work. The giving, the serving, the volunteering, that should never be the church. should not be true here or any church of Jesus's where 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Whether it's giving to our church to build up our mercy fund or to help our church run or to do a service of some kind, God is giving you something to do. You are on mission. If you are His, you are called to mission because Jesus was on mission and He calls this first group of disciples on mission. I don't care what it is. It might be a small thing, it could be a big thing, but we are called to serve, every one of us. Find out what that is. Recognize what you can do to bless God's church and His kingdom. Whether it's nursery or children's ministry or communion or helping to set up tables when we need to to change the building or helping the, the mercy ministry or ESOL or whatever it is, every person in our church is called into mission to serve. And I want to remind you of something. Peter was not qualified. Andrew was not qualified. James and John were not qualified. They were ordinary men doing ordinary work on an ordinary day when Jesus meets them. Am I right? This was just an ordinary day of work, and in fact, a bad night of work. And Jesus encounters them and calls them into mission, and calls them to serve. And this is what the book of Acts says, these are the men who turn the world upside down. Because they're doing what Jesus calls them to do. Friends, um, you're not called to sit still. You're not called to watch others people do the work. You're not called to let the rich people give to the church. Every person participates and serves because we have a victory assured for us because we are on his mission um i should end there but i want to give you three very last things three necessary qualities look at peter's life in this story he's willing to go wherever jesus leads It may go against the customs or the common wisdom or your culture or whatever it is. Sometimes God tells us us to go to surprising places and surprising ways to stretch us for His glory. Secondly, Peter's humble. And God could use Peter because he knew that he needed God, not the other way around. 
God's kingdom is not going to struggle if we were not there. But as sinners, we bring nothing to the table except what God is able to direct. Our strength from come, comes from knowing our weaknesses and letting God use us. And finally, He's fully committed. Fully committed. You know the end of Peter's life. He was hung on a cross upside down because he didn't think he was worthy to be crucified right side up the way his master was. These are the men who turned the world upside down. Brothers and sisters, um, God equips the called rather than He calls those who are equipped. You are called to service. You are called to give. You are called to love the church and love one another. Would you take a moment and recognize the kingdom moments in your life? Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful that you uh, meet us and you have met us today again because you are alive and well. You are God of gods and King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, I pray um, that we would be humble enough to say, Lord, I'm a sinner but would you use me? Father, bless our little church. Um, May we be the hands and feet of Jesus himself. We thank you for everything. Bless 2024 to us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.